Due to the graphic nature of this story, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of animal attacks and testing. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. In an unmarked van in Washington, D.C., a CIA agent slipped on his headphones. Next to him, another agent peered out the window at a man sitting on a nearby bench. They were waiting for an exchange that could turn the tide on the Cold War. A few minutes later, another man in a suit approached the bench. And just as the agents predicted, the two Soviets in the park leaned in and began talking to each other. The mission was a go. In the van, the agents turned on their equipment and adjusted the dials. They only had one shot at taping the Soviets' conversation. Everything needed to go down perfectly. Luckily, they had a secret weapon. One of the agents bent down and opened a cage. Then he reached in and held up a small gray cat. But this wasn't any ordinary feline. It was an American spy. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our one-part episode on animal espionage. For over a century, governments around the world have used animals as tools in warfare, and their intelligence agencies have also trained creatures to spy on other nations. Today, we'll first explore the history behind animal espionage, For as long as countries have gone to war, militaries have used animals to gain an upper hand. But in the 20th century, the efforts intensified. Governments hired animal trainers to teach ravens, cats, and even dolphins to spy on enemies. Then we'll discuss two conspiracy theories related to animal espionage. In conspiracy theory number one, We'll analyze accusations that Israel used animals to spy on neighboring countries in the Middle East. And in conspiracy theory number two, we'll try to determine whether the CIA is using bugs or other small animals to spy on American citizens. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Animals have always played a role on the battlefield. For thousands of years, creatures like elephants and horses helped conquerors expand their empires through brute force. But over time, some militaries discovered that certain wild beasts could also be used to gather information. In World War I, some countries used carrier pigeons to deliver messages across battlefields. Soldiers would strap tiny slips of paper to a bird's leg and send them flying through the air. Soon after, the messenger would land at a command post, providing generals with valuable intelligence. By some estimates, more than 100,000 carrier pigeons flew in World War I alone. And during the Second World War, many militaries enlisted the winged soldiers again. But this time, the United States sought to gain an advantage by making these pigeons into deadly agents. In 1943, 39-year-old renowned psychologist and inventor B.F. Skinner approached the U.S. government. The scientist believed he could solve a particular issue that kept coming up in their military exercises. U.S. officials were concerned that the country's missiles wouldn't hit intended Nazi targets. Instead, they would destroy civilian homes. The project's leaders knew pigeons could be utilized to send messages. Plus, they wanted to push the winged creatures to do even more. So government officials connected Skinner with the military to see if he could train birds to locate and identify targets. At first, the project flummoxed some military officials. These were birds, after all. However, the behavioral psychologist loved a good challenge and ultimately, training lab animals was his bread and butter. Skinner is perhaps best known for his psychological theories and research work on operant conditioning. Essentially, this encourages a specific desired behavior through rewards. Likewise, it discourages negative behavior with punishments. In other words, Skinner trained animals to associate specific actions with certain consequences. And eventually, these creatures only showed desired behavior because they didn't want to face punishment. So, after some consideration, the government funded Skinner's project. All he needed to do was figure out exactly how this missile-detecting pigeon mission would work. One day, while traveling by train to a conference, Skinner looked out the window and saw a flock of birds flying alongside the locomotive in formation. That's when the idea hit him. He remembered that pigeons have an unflappable sense of direction and are able to remain completely calm, even in the most chaotic circumstances. When he returned home, Skinner ran to his workshop and began constructing a new invention. It took some time, 
But eventually, he met with his military superiors and showed them what he'd fashioned. It was the frontmost tip of a missile known as a nose cone, except there were a few modifications to the nose cone. Skinner had placed three pigeons inside the tip of the missile. He even created miniature cockpits for the pigeons and inserted three tiny electronic screens for them. He planned to train the birds to recognize enemy targets on the screen and peck against the monitor when they saw it. If all three birds flagged the same target, a bomb would drop. The missile would destroy the foes and, unfortunately, the pigeons as well. Obviously, the government was skeptical of Skinner's plan. Yet, when he demonstrated the device for them, it seemed to work just as he'd claimed it would. Despite his ingenuity, Skinner's efforts still fell short. Between the pricey equipment and the cost of training birds for warfare, the mission was no small investment, and putting deadly missions in the claws of pigeons made some officers weary, so they abandoned the project. Even though Project Pigeon didn't see the battlefield, the military continued pursuing other ways to incorporate animals into warfare. In the 1950s and 60s, tensions between the United States and the Soviet Union continued to heat up. Both countries searched for any upper hand in the Cold War. Soon, the United States turned to Bob Bailey, a researcher in biology and chemistry at UCLA's medical school. In 1962, the Navy hired Bailey to head training at their new marine mammal program. They hoped he could turn wild dolphins into trained underwater allies. In his new role, Bailey managed to teach the marine animals how to locate lost tools underwater. They could even detect explosive mines. The program was a success thanks to Bailey. He eventually left the Navy to work for Animal Behavioral Enterprises, or ABE for short. The private company trained creatures for entertainment purposes, but the U.S. government remained interested in its work. Several years after the Dolphin Project, the U.S. Special Forces called on Bailey to support their war efforts. And this time, he wouldn't be working with marine creatures. Instead, his mission was to teach birds how to identify enemy ambushes. Throughout the 1960s and 70s, the Special Forces often sent a flock of Bailey's pigeons ahead of them on training for a mission. If the birds spotted danger, they turned around and flew back to the American squadron. According to Bailey, the pigeon program prevented 45 would-be ambushes in these exercises. But even for its success, it was an unsustainable model. If the winged soldiers didn't see enemies, they also didn't return. Bailey also trained ravens for the military. Much like the pigeons, they could spot enemies and recognize ambushes. But with a little conditioning, Bailey believed these birds could also possess some of the espionage skills of a top-notch surveillance officer. Ravens needed a realistic environment to practice in, though, which became Bailey's first order of business. Soon, he built life-size towns, which he said resembled movie sets. Then, with help from the military, he taught the ravens to carry listening devices in their beaks. For months, they trained the birds to listen to directions and remain discreet. An agent would aim a laser pointer towards a room where targets were meeting. Then, the raven would fly up to the window and drop a recorder on the ledge. 
And just like that, U.S. officials could have access to confidential conversations. At the time, it seemed like a genius plan. If someone inside the room spotted the raven, they wouldn't suspect a thing. After all, it was just an ordinary bird. And as far as we know, Bailey's birds may very well have worked in the field. But unfortunately, much of that work remains classified, so it's impossible to know the specific details of the project. What we do know is that Bailey had an interview with Smithsonian Magazine in 2013 and alluded to one incredibly significant mission. In the 1970s, he said government officials approached him with questions about the Watergate Hotel. They wanted to know if a raven could infiltrate the Watergate and deposit a listening device in one of the rooms. It's a shocking question that could have changed history as we know it. But since there are no other published details of Bailey's conversation with government officials, we can't know what role his ravens did or didn't play in the Watergate scandal. However, in 1975, just three years after the famous break-in, a Senate committee opened an investigation into abuses of power by government agencies, including the CIA. Coincidence or not, ABE, the animal training company Bailey worked for, pulled out of all intelligence and surveillance contracts that same year. It's possible they didn't want anything to do with the congressional probe, or they wanted to get as far away from the investigation as possible. Today, the advent of advanced surveillance technology has made animal spies largely obsolete, yet some countries still use creatures in warfare. Like many militaries, the United States Army frequently uses dogs on deadly missions. Similar to pigeons, the canines are trained to sniff out incoming ambushes and hidden enemies. They're also experts at detecting rigged doorways or hidden bombs. In fact, in 2011, a dog even joined the U.S. raid to kill Osama bin Laden. Dolphins and sea lions have also been used by the Navy for underwater patrolling. During the Vietnam and Gulf Wars, when a U.S. ship suspected enemy activity underwater, they deployed the marine mammals to track down the divers. Then, when the dolphins located the foe, they swam up next to the target and attached a buoy. The enemy would then be dragged up to the surface where officials could apprehend them. Plus, it's not just the U.S. engaging in this behavior. As recently as 2020, a report surfaced of satellite images that suggested Russia may have been testing the use of dolphins to attack enemy combatants. Some experts speculated they could have been used to attach explosive mines to the hulls of ships and monitor boats off the coast of Syria in 2018. These countries have admitted to using creatures in open warfare in the past, which makes it all the more likely that their efforts aren't limited to birds or dolphins. And it brings us to striking accusations that surfaced in 2010, because a group of Egyptians claimed their country was attacked by two Israeli operatives. Oceanic white tip sharks. Coming up... The Theory of Israel's Animal Invasion of the Middle East. I'm Sarah Turney, host of Disappearances, a Spotify original from Parcast. 
In 2020, I used social media to help bring justice to my sister Alyssa's nearly two decades long disappearance. Now I'm exploring the many reasons people disappear and finding that the truth may be even harder to locate than the person. Who forced a famed explorer to lose his way? What did a missing Hollywood starlet leave behind? And how could the heiress to a Chicago candy fortune just vanish? Every Thursday on Disappearances, join me for a deeper look into history's most gripping missing persons cases. Tracking timelines, analyzing clues, and piecing together as many answers as possible to find the actual truth. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Disappearances. Listen free only on Spotify. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Now back to the story. Throughout the 20th century, governments have trained creatures to carry messages, detect ambushes, and even attack enemy divers. But more recently, some countries have been accused of taking their animal operations a step further. It's possible that militaries are training creatures to spy on foreign enemies. After all, people are far less likely to suspect that an animal is eavesdropping on their operations rather than a human. And one country in particular may be responsible for more animal agents than anyone else. This brings us to our first conspiracy theory. Since the early 2000s, the Israeli government has used trained animals to spy on their neighbors in the region. The state of Israel has long faced serious tensions with its Arab neighbors. To combat ongoing conflicts with numerous countries, Israel receives military backing for its defense from one of its closest allies, the United States. Buoyed by American support, Israel has invaded its neighbors, bombed their power plants, and built up its military. And some have gone so far as to suggest that the United States has taught Israel how to train animals to attack and possibly spy on other countries. During the Six-Day War in 1967, Israel captured the entire Sinai Peninsula, which at the time belonged to Egypt. And when the territory switched hands, one small piece of land stood out, Sham El Sheikh. This tiny beach village was mostly known for its insufferable summers, but the turquoise waters of the Red Sea offered Israeli real estate developers a new opportunity. Over the next 15 years, Israel turned the fledgling coastal village into a popular resort town. The investment paid off. Sham El Sheikh grew into a major destination for Israeli and international tourists alike. However, after Israel signed a new peace agreement with Egypt, the Sinai Peninsula was given back to the Egyptians in 1982. This also meant they had full control of the lucrative Sham El Sheikh. So Egypt continued where the Israelis left off, building Sham El Sheikh into what it is today, a money machine. In 2009, more than 3 million people traveled to the coastal town on vacation that year alone. 
That's an incredible number of visitors compared to the approximately 75,000 residents who live in Sharm el-Sheikh year-round. Tourism became one of Egypt's most lucrative industries, generating billions of dollars each year. In 2010, though, a conspiracy theory posited that Israel may have tried to damage the country's economy. Some believe it was a revenge plot for losing control over the resort town, but others suggest it was simply espionage gone haywire. On December 1, 2010, thousands of tourists crowded around the beach in Sharm el-Sheikh. As usual, it was a scorcher. Some resort guests hid from the sun under umbrellas, sipping cocktails. But others dived into the Red Sea in snorkeling equipment, eager to take in the exotic underwater life. All of a sudden, cries rose up from the water as someone shouted, Shark! Shark! Beachgoers looked out towards the sea in horror at the sight of a pool of blood. Panic ensued as swimmers ran out of the water to safety. One man hobbled to the shore with gashes in his leg. Another person's hand hung loosely from their wrist. All told, four people suffered injuries from the shark attack. Egyptian authorities immediately closed the beach, and teams of ships were sent out onto the water to investigate. Within days, they captured two sharks. But something about the sharks seemed off. They were oceanic white tips, which, according to some Egyptian authorities, usually kept to the open sea. It would be uncommon to see this species in shallow water, especially near a heavily populated beach like Sham el-Sheikh. Still, town officials believe the shark's capture solved the problem. With thousands of tourists already fleeing the city, they quickly reopened the beaches to regain some of the lost revenue. Yet several days later, a resort lifeguard shift was interrupted by a scream. He peered through his binoculars. Far out in the water, an older woman thrashed at the waves. She was engulfed in blood, and in the distance, a dorsal fin emerged from the sea. Though the lifeguard swam out to rescue the woman, she grew limp as he brought her back to shore. She passed away just minutes later. The second attack terrified Sham el-Sheikh's tourists. Officials feared the sharks could destroy the resort's reputation and make it impossible to attract customers. And to make matters worse, they couldn't understand how the oceanic white tip found its way to their shores. In the following days, a man claiming to be an Egyptian diver came forward with his own answers. He went on a local talk show and told the country that Israel could be responsible for the presence of sharks in their waters. He theorized the Israeli government transported the fish to Egypt to attack their tourism industry. It was all a ploy to undermine the Egyptian economy. He also claimed that officials recently found another similar shark, and it had a GPS implanted in its body. To him, this was proof that someone controlled, or at least monitored, the deadly fish. While these theories seemed possible, there were a lot of skeptics. An Egyptian marine biologist publicly denounced the divers' theories, he pointed out that the white-tipped shark was native to Egyptian waters and that scientists often attach GPS devices to sea creatures to better track them, especially if they're an endangered species. 
The Israeli government also responded, though they kept their message even simpler than the Egyptian officials. They called the allegations, quote, too ludicrous to comment on. Even though the accusations appeared to be debunked, that didn't stop people from growing suspicious of Israel, especially because this wasn't the last time Israel allegedly trained animals to do their bidding. Five years after the shark attacks in Egypt, a Palestinian naval unit spotted a dolphin off the shores of the Gaza Strip. Witnesses said it was moving suspiciously, so they decided to follow it. And when they got closer, officials noticed that the dolphin was wearing a monitoring device and a camera. Because they didn't recognize the equipment, they assumed it must have belonged to Israel. The naval unit captured the dolphin and hauled it aboard their ship. A few days later, the group that rules Gaza released a public statement accusing Israel of using a dolphin to spy on Palestinians. Unlike with the shark accusation, Israel didn't comment this time, nor did anyone come to their defense. It's possible the government thought the allegations were again so ridiculous that they didn't dignify a response. But maybe Israel knew the charges were true, so they kept quiet, hoping the problem would go away. And that's exactly what happened. Because of the unbelievable nature of past accusations, most people didn't buy those claims. Foreign Policy magazine chalked it up as another far-fetched conspiracy theory. Still, there's real reason to believe Israel could be spying on Palestinian people. In November 2021, six former Israeli soldiers told the Washington Post that the military ordered its soldiers to take thousands of photographs of Palestinian citizens, ranging from young children to old women. Then, a smartphone technology known as Blue Wolf analyzed the faces in the pictures, and using a criminal database, it alerted soldiers whether the person should be arrested or left alone. That's not the only surveillance, though. The former soldiers also claimed Israel has set up cameras around cities that can see into people's homes, even through walls. When asked about the allegations, Israel's military said, Routine security operations in the West Bank were part of the fight against terrorism and the efforts to improve the quality of life for the Palestinian population. But they wouldn't comment on the specifics. For those reasons, it doesn't seem completely out of the question that Israel could also be training animals to spy on Palestinian authorities or even attack Egyptian tourists to harm a foe's economy. After all, they have a long history of undercover surveillance. That's true, but the shark accusation against Israel could be mere paranoia. I find it hard to believe the Israeli government trained and transported the white tips to Sham el-Sheikh just to harm the Egyptian economy. After all, they surrendered the peninsula in a peace deal. On the other hand, both the United States and Russia use marine mammals in their navies, and they probably aren't the only two countries in the world who employed that method of underwater surveillance. But Israel doesn't possess nearly the same amount of resources as the United States or Russia. I can't imagine training dolphins for espionage would be high on their priorities. Plus, with such highly advanced technology like facial recognition software, it seems costly and inefficient to teach animals for the same ends. We know the United States provides Israel with some military equipment. 
Perhaps the dolphins are also part of that support. I see your point. However, I still think most of the allegations are propaganda or exaggerations. The shark stories sound categorically false, and the United States is fairly open about its use of dolphins in warfare. I think we'd know if they were supplying Israel with underwater spies. It's also worth pointing out that most of the claims were never taken seriously when reported, either by Israel or the press, and authorities never provided physical proof of the dolphins' existence. As far as we know, the story could be a lie. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most believable, I give this theory a 2. That's true. Some of these accusations are pretty difficult to buy. Still, because there's a military link between the United States and Israel, I find the dolphin story more likely than the shark connection. For that reason, I'll go slightly higher and give this theory, that the Israeli government trained animals to spy on nearby countries, a 3. While it's impossible to know all the details about Israel's programs, in the United States, there's documented proof that animals were used as spies. In fact, according to our next theory, they were used to spy on happenings in our own country. Coming up, the cat that became a spy. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. Now back to the story. Throughout the Cold War, the United States military worked to gain any advantage it could against the former Soviet Union. Both countries pursued advancements in atomic warfare, weaponry, and even space travel. But as tensions rose, Americans sought something even more valuable than hydrogen bombs, confidential information. Which brings us to our final conspiracy theory. During the Cold War, the United States government used animals for undercover surveillance. And the U.S. still employs this practice today to spy on Americans. In the 1960s, the CIA hatched a plot to learn Soviet secrets. If you remember from our recent episodes on COINTELPRO, we covered similar efforts by the FBI to infiltrate communist inner circles. During the early 60s, agency higher-ups in the CIA met to discuss espionage work. One official mused on how seamlessly cats wander in and out of rooms. When one is around, people often don't notice it at all. He wondered if they could use a feline as an undercover agent. Perhaps desperate for ideas, the CIA approved the proposal. The mission would be known as Operation Acoustic Kitty. 
Unlike the birds or dolphins of yesteryear, these devices would actually be implanted inside the cat rather than on top of the animal. Scientists theorized that they could fix a microphone into the cat's ear and attach the transmitter to the base of the feline's skull. Then, they could thread a long antenna through its tail, which would be hidden by the fur. This would mean that the feline could record any conversation it happened to wander into. So one morning, dozens of operatives huddled around an operating room window. They stared inside as a veterinarian carefully inserted the devices, making sure it wouldn't interfere with the cat's bodily functions. As far as the CIA could tell, the surgery was a complete success. Operation Acoustic Kitty was a go. But the agency had overlooked a major problem, one that even the brightest scientific minds hadn't solved, training the cat. Unlike dogs, cats are extremely difficult to teach. While most canines respond well to human directions, felines are often more temperamental and defiant. Inside their laboratory, the CIA made slow but steady progress. The operatives successfully taught their four-legged agent to move short distances. But when they tested her outside the facility, she grew distracted, often pawing at bugs, napping, and most significantly, wandering off to find something to eat. Agents worried about taking her out into the field. Should the cat get distracted by something as ordinary as a squirrel, all their hard work might be wasted. So the CIA inserted another device into the feline to address her hunger. Including these final alterations, the agency spent over five years and an estimated $20 million on Operation Acoustic Kitty. It was just in time for Cold War paranoia to reach its peak. In the 1960s, when officials learned that Soviet agents would be meeting in a nearby park, they knew that, trained or not, it was time for their agent to hit the field in a training test. They drove in their van to the location and waited for their targets. Soon after, two men sat down at a bench together. Now all the CIA operatives needed the cat to do was walk up to the enemy spies. The microphone in her ear would be able to pick up their conversation. Then, the antenna in her tail would transmit the words back to the equipment in the van. They removed the cat from her cage and wished her luck. All the preparation and millions of dollars had led to this moment. The operatives opened the back of the van and set the cat down on the pavement outside. Then they closed the doors and watched her movement. Without hesitation, the small cat started crossing the street, heading straight for the pair on the bench. But before it could reach them, a taxi sped down the street and struck the cat. The CIA operatives looked on in horror. Their agent was dead. This enormous failure likely contributed to the program's shutter in 1967. Operation Acoustic Kitty proved a tremendous waste of time, money, and one cat's life. It led the Department of Defense to think that perhaps cats, as large and vulnerable as they were, weren't the right creatures to infiltrate enemy circles. So, 39 years after the failed mission, the department turned their sights to, quote, insect cyborgs. In 2006, the DOD sent out a request to scientists. 
America's best and brightest were needed to create tiny flying surveillance animals. While at first this assignment may sound like science fiction, inventors took it seriously. Dozens of researchers got to work, but soon they all encountered the same problem. The bugs had to be tiny enough to go undetected, yet strong enough to carry surveillance equipment. Officials experimented with modifying flies and moths with little luck, but one scientist at the University of California, Berkeley, named Michelle Maharbiz, believed a different insect would prove a better spy. He turned to the flower beetle. Flower beetles measure about two inches long, five times the size of the average ladybug. Factor in their sharp claws, and the beetles seemed like the perfect warriors. For Maharbiz, this also suggested they had the ideal qualities of a U.S. spy. He figured its hard shell could protect any equipment implanted inside its body. And because beetles were larger than other similar creatures, they could carry more weight. After some careful consideration and planning, Maharbiz started experimenting. First, he placed the bug in a freezer. The cold anesthetized the beetle without killing it. Then, he and his students inserted wires beneath its shell, attempting to locate its nerve endings. When they activated one of the cords in the bug's right basilar muscle that controls the wing's thrust, its wings fluttered, and the insect flew to the left. If they pressed on the opposite tendon, the beetle lurched to the right. Soon, Maharbiz and his team could control their subject with a flick of a switch. After completing the research, Maharbiz turned in his findings to the U.S. government. But knowing how powerful they were, he also released his results to the press. Stories flooded the news waves. Some claimed the United States would use Maharbiz's beetles to spy on its own citizens. However, the scientist pushed back on these accusations. He asserted that the tiny surveillance vehicles would only be used abroad. He didn't like the idea of his experiment being used on the American people. According to Maharbiz, the Beatles hadn't yet been deployed and the technology was still being refined. Maybe the military planned to use the Beatles to model their own miniature flying devices. That would mean they didn't employ actual insects at all, but created miniature robotic spies. Still, Others worried the government had already implemented Maharbiz's invention. Perhaps even now, there are beetles flying through U.S. cities, monitoring American citizens, reporting everyone's whereabouts to the CIA or FBI. After all, since 2006, the U.S. government has been accused multiple times of illegally surveilling its own citizens. Bugs could just be the next step. It's certainly an alarming notion and some recent scandals with the NSA make it difficult to dismiss out of hand. However, I think it's more probable the government would use the devices against foreign countries than in U.S. cities. I agree. If the U.S. did employ Maharbiz's beetles, it seems most likely that they sent them abroad. If the bugs were discovered in the United States, the scandal would be enormous. Right. Plus, I'm not sure how well they could disguise the insect's recording devices. Maharbiz inserted wires inside the beetle, but some of the equipment remained on the outside of the shell. If someone spotted a bug with a microchip on its back, they would immediately know that something was out of the ordinary. That's true. 
But then again, his research occurred in 2006, more than 15 years ago. Now it's possible that intelligence agencies have developed a robotic bug that's indiscernible from real insects. If we think back to Operation Acoustic Kitty, the cat didn't show any wires or transmitters. Maybe the government employed the same philosophy while modifying the beetles. Possibly, but like you said, since 2006, technology has also gotten much better. Between satellite cameras and internet hackers, I think there may be easier ways to watch someone than by following them with a cyborg bug. For me, it's weighing this likelihood against the numerous reports we do have, which show that the government sought to modify sharks, bugs, and cats. That seems like too many stories to be a coincidence. Good point. Plus, if there's one program the CIA or NSA would keep close to the chest, it's an operation designed to turn animals into recording devices. Because of the documented stories and uncertainty around current programs, I'm giving this theory a 4 out of 10. I'm still on the fence. We do know that the military attempted to use animals for espionage, but we can't take that to assume they're still doing it today. Given the advancements in spy technology, though, I think they may have abandoned the Beetle Project years ago. For that reason, I'll go a little lower and give this theory a three. Like you said, we can't say with any certainty that the government is still using animals for espionage. In the United States and Israel, officials have gone to great lengths to discredit all accusations. For all we know, both countries could be developing new undercover creatures. They could be training dolphins, sharks, or even insects. The animals we see out in the world might be working for a secret agency. So, the next time you see a cat sitting in a window, be careful what you say. It may be a pet, or it just might be a government spy. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. For more information on animal espionage, amongst the many sources we used, we found Tom Vanderbilt's Smithsonian Magazine article, The CIA's Most Highly Trained Spies Weren't Even Human, extremely helpful to our research. We'll be back next time with a new episode. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Alex Bernard, with writing assistance by Amber Hurley and Mackenzie Moore. Fact-checking by Lori Siegel, and research by Bradley Klein. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. Mm -hmm.